Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout this series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. Good morning, everyone. So I'll just share my journey and my story from teenager to the priesthood, how God kind of worked in my life. I grew up in Narragansett, Rhode Island. And in the time I was in junior high, I originally wanted to just go into law enforcement someday. And at that time, out of the blue, the idea of one day just coming to priest popped into my head. And so I started to think about it, research a little. Internet was around then, it was dial-up. Looked stuff up online, I never really told anyone right away. I didn't talk to my parish priest or anything like that. I wasn't necessarily super religious at the time. Parents made me go to church on the weekends, so I went. I went to faith formation because my parents made me. But the idea was there, so I started to look into it, read and research what that took and what it would be involved. And so I kind of decided, I think that's where I want to go someday. Well, before I got into high school, I started watching EWTN, and I started playing the rosary bee a lot. I didn't really pray much before that time in my life, so I found a little book my mother had given me. It was about how to pray the rosary. So I started praying the rosary beads daily, and then I saw a episode of EWTN where they were praying the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. So I just started to do that daily, and then went into high school, and high school the idea kind of waned a little bit. I was like any normal high American high school kid. I dated and did all the things teenage boys do, but the idea was still somewhat in the back of my head. But as I went through high school, I kind of realized significantly that I pretty much hated school, and I didn't want to go to college. I pretty much went to high school to play football, which is what I love to do. And school just wasn't my thing. I had a lot of learning disabilities I was born with. I was dyslexic, language-based learning disabilities that made school very, very tough for me. I was in special ed my whole life. I was never in regular classrooms. I was always with like, just a small group of kids and multiple teachers and just hated school. So I learned that priests had to get a master's degree, which would take several, several years of college, graduate school after college. So I quickly changed my mind and said, I don't want to be a priest. Um, <laughs> but I knew I wanted to do a job where I could help people and serve. So I, I decided I wanted to go back into law enforcement, be a police officer again, which is what I wanted to do as a, a little kid, like elementary age. Graduated high school in 2000, and since I wasn't going to go to college, I figured I would need some experience, something to put on a resume to get on with the police department. And my goal was to be a state trooper. I didn't just want to be a, a local cop or a sheriff. I wanted to go into the state police, specifically. I enlisted in the Army May 2000, right before I graduated high school. And then I was sent to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for a boot camp. And I was in the Army for, it would be almost two years, and then of course 9-11 happened. And so a year after that, I was in the invasion of Iraq. In February 2003, we landed in Kuwait and prepared to invade Iraq. So I was in the invasion the first 
frontier of occupation, mostly in the Baghdad area, doing patrols, raids, trying to find the bad guys, for lack of a better word. And during this time, my faith stayed strong in my life, but it wasn't a priority anymore. I went to church when it was convenient. Obviously, when I was deployed, I didn't go to church at all, but I prayed when I could. I kept my prayers up. When you're in combat, it kind of reawakens you to how important faith is. So the rosary, which I had stopped praying, kind of as I got on in age in high school, I started to pray a lot again. Pretty much, not every day, because we were extremely busy, but whenever I had free time, whenever I had some moments laying in my tent at night, I would always grab my rosary and pray until I fell asleep. And what helped me at that moment is, when you're in a war, it's very hard to go to sleep at night. Even though we were working 18, sometimes 20 hour days, you'd lay down, totally exhausted and spent, but for some reason you couldn't clear out of your head what you saw that day. Friends getting shot, people getting killed, all the those horrors that you see. That's when I started praying the rosary again. I had given it up, like I said, years ago. So I, st- I grabbed my rosary and we just lay in the tent at night and stopped praying. Honestly, I don't think I ever finished one before I fell asleep. Where before I would lay awake just asking God to help me fall asleep and it just couldn't clear my head enough to actually fall asleep. It would take hours sometimes. And just praying the rosary, I'd always fall asleep. But I don't think I ever finished one of them. And countless times would be woken up in the middle of the night by the base would be attacked or gunfire, explosions, and I'd reach down to grab my rifle and I'd actually still have the rosary bead in my hand. Faith became an important part of my life again. Eventually, uh, I was there in Iraq for 14 months, came home in uh, April of 2004, and I decided I didn't want to be in the Army anymore. I never really liked the Army that much. It was just something I did out of an obligation, and mostly so I could put some I had experience on my resume. As we got back, there was this new young group of kids who were fresh out of basic training, who had no experience. So I figured with the knowledge that I had gained through that tour in Iraq, I, I could stay and help them and pass on what I had learned. I enlisted again, and my intention was that that was going to be it. I was only going to stay in those four more years, but somehow it ended up being 14 years, but that's getting a different story. So I enlisted again, just was stationed in different areas, again, I still had full intentions of getting out of the military and going to police work. Priesthood was the furthest thing on my mind, but at this time was people who I had served with started to hint at me. Hey, did you ever think about being a priest or chat? And not many of them, I, maybe they saw me praying at night, but I didn't go to church certainly that much. And some of the people started putting the idea in my head again. And that's where you learn that God can often speak to us through others. Did you ever think about being a priest? Did you ever think about being a chaplain? And I was like, no, not really. Well, and I didn't really tell them I did. No, no. Oh, you'd be good, you'd be good. And one guy actually came up to me, one of the, uh, I was just a a regular soldier at that time, it wasn't a sergeant yet, and he was one of the sergeants in our unit. You're going to be a priest one day, I already know. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, you are, no, trust me, I know you're going to be a priest someday. Come 2007, I get sent back to Iraq. This is under General Petraeus, and we're doing the surge in the Al-Ambar province. At that time, I was in the army, but they loaned me out to the Marines. The Marines don't have a lot of manpower, so they often borrow people from the army. I wore marine uniforms and worked for marine gunnery sergeant. And I was in Iraq again for another year. And then got home. Now I switched into off active duty into the reserves. And it was at this time the state police was hiring. So I applied. And thankfully for my time in the Army, kind of why I think God sent me down this road, is I kind of learned to have confidence again. And by the time I had left high school, I didn't really believe in my academic abilities. And not only did I not want to go to school, I thought there was no possible way God could be calling me because I have these disabilities, school's a struggle for me. If he wanted me to be a priest, this wouldn't have happened. So 
I, I have another calling. So I probably made myself just talking myself out of it. But a lot of it was just self-doubt, struggle, a lot of doubt and self-confidence in my ability to go to college. But the military does do a great job at teaching you to believe in yourself, giving you that idea that you can overcome anything. Sometimes even foolishly, they kind of just train you so much that no matter what obstacles in your way, you'll be able to overcome. But I was still determined to be a police officer at this point in my life. So I got hired by the Rhode Island State Police, and that was the dream job I always wanted. So I saw myself now, I have the dream job. Now we just have to find a wife. I always wanted to be a father, not a priest father, but a dad. So I always wanted to uh, have a big family, lots of kids. So I was a state trooper. I was happy. I loved my job. Uh, I looked forward to going to work almost every day. I loved the people I worked with. It was truly a blessing. But as happy as I was, for some reason, it felt empty. It, nothing ever felt fulfilling at that time. And I couldn't understand that at the time because I truly enjoyed work a lot. I loved getting up and I'd drive to work, change my uniform. And we would do long days. We'd do 12 hours on the road patrolling. I was just a regular patrol cop in a car in a uniform. And I enjoyed it. And I had fun. You get paid real good as a state trooper. People generally treat you real good. And I loved it. I had my own place. I was kind of ready to start my life. I had a girl friend it was but nothing felt fulfilling at th that moment so i started to really discern like is this not where i'm supposed to be did god have other plans for me? it took a couple years of still thinking about that discerning but i finally decided that god was truly calling me to be a priest and even though the idea of going back to school was daunting and i did not look forward to it i realized that if i worked hard enough and the people were willing to give me a chance i think i would be able to do it so i left on good terms my, uh, from the state police and my supervisors and I, uh, I never went to college so now I'm probably in my early 30s at this time I might get some of the dates wrong but when I applied to seminary in my home diocese of Providence they took me on but I had to go to college seminary so now here I am like 31 a war veteran state former state trooper and I'm in a college seminary with 18 year old kids 19 year old kids so they're all very good kids but you had a very different place in your life so it wasn't I have a lot of patience to deal with all the high school stuff, the immaturity stuff, and, and I was living with them, and it was hard for them, I think, too, because I think they looked at me as, like, an authority figure, not just another seminarian. So I did a year of college seminary at uh, Our Lady of Providence College Seminary in Providence, Rhode Island. I was still in the Army Reserves at this time, and the Army ordered me back to active duty, so they called me and said, you have to deploy to Afghanistan, we need you to come back. I So I had to leave seminary, and I went to Afghanistan for a year. But I was still sad I prayed as much as I could. We were out in the field, so there was no way to really go to Mass or anything like that. I pray as often as I could. Whenever we were on a base or anything, I would try and go to Mass if they had one. There's not always chaplains around the same Mass. So I still lived the life of a seminarian, even though I was a soldier again. When I got home from Afghanistan, I went back in the college seminary, and I did my second year. And at this time, the vocations team in Providence was a little concerned because my GPA was only about a 2.1. So they asked me to talk, and they said, that you're not trying, are you struggling with things? And I said, no, I'm really trying as hard as I can. And they just said, well, maybe you're learning disabilities, you're just not going to be able to, to do this. It's just maybe not your field to go into. I didn't agree with that. They wanted me to be going to missionary work as a brother, which is a beautiful life, but I didn't feel any calling to that. So I took some time and prayed about it, and I just said, I feel called to go into the priesthood. And they said, well, we're not willing to sponsor you anymore because we don't think you have the intellectual abilities to do it. So we parted ways, and we shook hands. It was, it was cordial meeting. But I still knew that 
I've had a calling. And it was actually that very day they told me they weren't going to sponsor me anymore. And I'm not making this up. I had a dream that night, and I saw myself being ordained by a bishop who I didn't know who it was. Took a little more time and prayed. I said I shouldn't rush into something. That's kind of the old military style, just rush in. I said I should take time, pray, discern. And through that, I never felt any different calling except to the priesthood. I talked to my home pastor, and he said, it's a big church, there's a lot of diocese. Just because one said no doesn't mean they all say no. So I said, all right, so I sent applications out to every diocese in New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Vermont, New Hampshire, pretty much everywhere surrounding me. And I think I was just going to go and keep branching out until I found a diocese in the English-speaking world, because I don't know any other language that was willing to accept. You have a very good vocation director here in Albany, Father Legato. Actually, the next day after I sent that email out, he replied. I eventually heard back from the others, but it was weeks, sometimes even months later, the other vocation directors would get back to me. But another lesson to learn is be the early early bird is the saying I think so he reached out to me and he said uh, you got to meet with your vocation team Providence sign a waiver and have your file sent up here so I contacted them Providence I did all that and about a couple of days after I signed that waiver he said I got your file me and the bishop went through it and we saw no reason why you can't come here he said 2.1 is good enough for us we'd be happy to have it so I drove up to Albany I met with Father Legato we talked he gave me an application I met with the rest of the vocation board and they all I guess approved me I imagine so. <laughs> so I was accepted as a seminarian here in Albany now I've never been to Albany in my life they didn't know me I didn't know them so Father Legato asked me to do a pastoral year where you work in a parish year that way they would get to know me a little better and I would get to know this area too to make sure I'd be happy here so he assigned me to a very young new pastor Father James Ebert I think most people know was a very, very kind, generous person. And at this time, to be honest, because of the situation that happened in Providence, my faith in the priesthood was shaken a little bit. I knew I was called to be a priest, but I was very hurt by the fact that they would get rid of you just for having a learning disability. So I became very mistrusting of people wearing a collar. But I knew that God wanted me to do it, so I was doing it more for God and for the people of God. And But the clergy became, I became very standoffish. Not in a mean way, but I very mistrusting of and Father Ebert, through his kind, generous heart, kind of restored my faith in what a priest was. And I got to see a different side of the priesthood. And he kind of, and I've told him this, but so you can share this with him, how he was my inspiration to believe in the priesthood again. And he's kind of the priest I always looked up to as the model priest. I lived with him for a year. And then they decided to send me to St. Mary's Seminary in Baltimore, Maryland. I went there and I had to do pre-seminary studies because I still hadn't finished all the the college studies that are required to go to graduate school. So I was able to do those in one year. I had my degree in philosophy, bachelor's degree, and then I did five years of theological studies at St. Mary's. During this time, no major things really, I just kept praying. I already knew in my heart God had called me, so I wasn't really discerning anymore. I just focused real hard on doing my studies, and come this past June, after those five years of graduate level studies, I graduated from seminary, I was ordained, and, now, and then I was assigned, thankfully, again, I think he pulled some strings in this, I was assigned again to Father Ebert at St. Clemens, St. Joseph's, and Notre Dame Visitation. And the first year has been great, and when people ask me, like, do you like it, I always say, I think it's the greatest job in the world. I often tell people, for the first time since I was a kid in high school, I feel totally at peace, like I'm where I'm supposed to be. The Army, I loved, and I was always I was very happy to serve, and I loved the people I served with, but 
I never felt I was where I was supposed to be when I was in the army, but I knew it wasn't where I was meant to be. And even with the state police, although I was having a lot of fun, I really enjoyed that job a lot. And it was hard to leave, but it never felt like I was where I was supposed to be. Something always felt missing. So pretty much from this first year, it's been truly a blessing that I feel totally at peace. I feel fulfilled at the end of the day. I'm having fun too. obviously comes from God, but if God through people in our lives, I think that's why he sent me on the journey I did. Like, I, I don't think I would have been sad to come right from, like, high school and seminary, as some guys do. God sent me into the army, which really I learned how to believe in myself, and that the army, they just train you to have this never-quit attitude. Like, no matter what you face and no matter what obstacle is, you just keep fighting until your last breath, and you never let anyone tell you you can't do something. You never let anything stop you. You don't, there's no such thing as boundaries or no, you just keep going and going and going. So I think God sent me on this road for a reason. I think that's where you see the Holy Spirit kind of guiding you through life as I was supposed to be in the military at those times and meet the people I met and they had those lessons that I really wouldn't have, they wouldn't teach you that in seminary, they wouldn't teach you that in college. It was those lessons I learned there. And they teach you that for a different purpose. They're teaching you so when you're in stressful combat situations, you just never give up, you keep fighting. But those same lessons can be applied to anything in life. Just keep fighting and never give up. Did you come from a religious family? Do you have brothers and sisters? I have three brothers. I'm number two. My parents go to church weekly. My mom is involved in the church. She does like, uh, she always taught faith formation and uh, Eucharistic minister. My dad just goes to church. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the question is, what if you know someone who may be hearing the call, how do you help them discern? I would encourage them to keep praying, really to let them know like whatever flaws, ever brokenness you had, God uses that. Just encourage him that you're never going to feel worthy, but it, it's through Christ. You're, there's really only one priest, and that's Jesus Christ. Like the rest of us, even Pope Francis himself, you just participate in the priesthood of Christ. And God uses your broken humanness to help and inspire others. And you're not worthy, but you do it because Christ said to do it. And you're never, you should never feel worthy to stand in Christ's place. None of us should feel worthy to receive communion like that. You receive God into you. But Jesus said, you are because I said so. Through my word, through my act, is what makes you worthy. So I would just tell him, you see him as a good priest. You see him and encourage him to pray. And don't be afraid to reach out to his local pastor who would be willing to talk to them and, and walk with them on that journey. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm curious, after... Uh, your first year of priesthood, what your observations are of like what the people of God need, what the what the world needs, like what from your viewpoint, you know, as as a priest. Part of it is just meet people where they are and help them walk on their faith journey. Mm -hmm. What's giving you the most fulfillment in your ministry? My favorite thing to do is I love saying mass and hearing confessions, just talking to people and helping them find Christ in their life. What was the reaction of your parents, your brothers, and your girlfriend? My parents were supportive, but they were, I think underneath they knew how much of a struggle it was for me, and they just didn't want to see me try something to fail. For that, it was more of a love and concern. I think my mother and dad definitely knew how much my brothers were always just kind of, if that's what you want to do, it, yeah, all right, go ahead. It, it, it wasn't really any deep talks I had with them. Uh, I'm close to my brothers, we don't, you know, whatever, if that's what you want to do, do it. My girlfriend, she understood. I don't think it was a surprise. Just really gave me a blessing. And I think what we heard in Father Kyle's witness 
was this Peter did not run. He ran to Christ. So the Holy Spirit, and so I think the Holy Spirit was really pointing Father Kyle to Christ in spite of all the obstacles, and he did not run. God bless. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On this day, Lord Jesus Christ, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I accept you as my king, and I want to dedicate the rest of my life to building up your kingdom. I give you my time, I give you my talents, and I give you my treasures. I ask you to set me free from the dominion of Satan and from the bondage of sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Help me with your grace to turn away from my sins and to avoid all that leads me into sin. I promise to obey your commands, take up my cross daily, and follow you. I ask you now to set my soul ablaze and to baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.